This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEN. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Sporting Max. In the road to 100, we're in the last sort of five, ten episodes um, in the road to 100 now. And I'm absolutely honoured to be joined by an Australian basketball superstar, placed for Southside Flyers and the Waverly Falcons in the NBL 1, Beck Cole. It's amazing to have you on, Beck. How are you? It's good. It's a pleasure to be on this show with you. Thanks for having me, Maxie. Thanks, Beck. Now, Beck, just to sort of start off, I want to um, sort of, can you take me through, you know, what your childhood was like for you and, you know, what growing up was like for you as a kid? Yeah, so growing up, big family person. So I remember always with my sisters, definitely annoying them. I have two older ones. Uh, they're six and eight years older than me and wow. hanging out with our cousins, um, spending time with mum and dad. But let's be real, a lot of the time they were our taxis because <laughs> yeah, we all played sport. But um, I grew up playing netball, basketball and track and field. And basketball wow. was actually my last sport I picked up. So I was lucky enough to do all that at a state level till like 15, 16, where I guess that's where I had to decide what I wanted, you know, to take seriously. Yeah. Like you're a big man, Maxi. you're at school, you're playing all these sports, um, you know, you don't have a lot of time. But, yeah, I just literally every weekend, every day, I was doing one sport, one or the other. Wow. So, I mean, you mentioned having bar- picked up basketball as one of those last sports Um you know, um, after track and field and after netball. So how, when it comes to decision time for you, where you got to make that call between track and field, netball and basketball, how do you make that decision? Yeah, I think it was definitely a feeling. So track and field, I gave up first because I loved team sports like so much better. And I was like, can't imagine myself running around a track for the rest of my life. Whereas yeah, just by yourself, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then at that stage, um, I loved in basketball, I could play offense and defense and you can play overseas. You can go to an Olympics, um, you know, compared to netball, whereas that's, you know, you're stuck in a third, still love the sport, love watching it. Um, but at that point at 15, 16, that's where my headspace was to, yeah, choose basketball. So what was school like for you, you know, as a young kid while balancing, you know, three sports? Yeah, it was crazy. Look at primary school. I just remember I was pretty much with the boys half the time, you know, kicking the footy, playing soccer, playing basketball, down ball. Like that was just me at lunchtime running around, having fun. Um, and then high school, not going to lie, it was quite tricky. Like a lot of my friends were, you know, maybe getting a part-time job at McDonald's or Subway yeah. or something <laughs> like that. And, um, you know, I think my first job was really at like, 20 or something when I was at the AIS so yeah um it was hard to fit it all in and um I think that's when I started to learn my organizational skills and um you know communication skills because you're having to talk to your teachers and um we would go away you know for state for nationals or we'd have Auscamp so I also missed a fair bit of school um but look I loved it I, I was with my best friends and um Igor Hadziumerovich, we grew up together playing and he was like my best friend. So we went to school together. You know, we went to ITC, we played in Vic teams, went to Camp. So it was pretty cool, like growing up, having your best yeah. mate by your side doing that. So what else did you, what did you study um, as, you know, sort of a backup option um, if basketball didn't work out? Yeah, so I actually, I studied a bachelor 
and communications major in PR. And I actually got three years through, wow. didn't finish the fourth, um, oh. the fourth year. Cause I just, I did it over um, online yeah, and yeah. it was just like, I was having I don't know, you wouldn't know this person, but the older people will. Yeah. Hitchcock, he's like amazing filmmaker. And I was like, why am yeah. I watching Hitchcock films <laughs> when I'm studying communications and PR? And I just didn't have like a passion for it. And I think I'm a very face-to-face rather than online. So look, didn't finish that, but um, straight away, I still like to be busy. So I got my Cert 3 and 4 in fitness. So I, you know me probably from the socials. Love fitness, love working out, love motivating people. So that was always a backup. And then, yeah, at the moment, I guess it's just networking and, um, you know, using our platform to make those connections as I, you know, haven't finished um, a degree. So you mentioned the opportunity at the AIS um, just before earlier and it, oh, just to mention it was in 2009. So how did that opportunity come up for you um, to go to Canberra and, you know, stay over there and train where the best train? Yeah, that was honestly one of the best experiences of my uh, life. And uh, I think that started from um, the national team. So, you know, at under 16s, under 18s, they have scouts from the AIS, you know, come watch those. And I guess that's where they can see the best of the best playing against each other. And uh, from there, I was able to try out. So I actually tried out, uh, got invited to that the year before and unfortunately didn't make it. And I remember I was so upset. Um, you know, it was would have been with the older girls and I would have actually not finished year 12 here in Victoria. I would have had to do it up there. But I think it was a blessing in disguise that I didn't make it because I got to finish year 12 with my friends you know, get another year of maturity under my belt. And then the second year went back, you know, with even more fire in my belly and um, made the AIS then. And then I think I was there for around like two and a half years on scholarship and uh, amazing. The first taste of like a professional, you know, life as an athlete. Mm. So can you take me through your experiences playing in the junior national teams, like under 16s, 18s and that kind of thing? Yeah, that was honestly the best. So Um, I guess that's probably the first time you go away, you know, your parents obviously come, but like you're with your mates and your teammates and, you know, you're separated and you're like, this is so fun. You're playing basketball. You've just gone through months of tryouts and training all for this one week where you're like, you want to win the gold medal. And um, I'm super lucky for 16s, 18s and 20s. I went to five and I think I won four of them out of five and runner up one year so playing for Victoria was one of the best and I think what I love is I've made lifelong friends from um, I remember a really special team was under 16 top age and uh, we just had the best crew and you know we still catch up today and I think that's something that I love about team sport and that's why I chose basketball. Can you tell me about your do you remember your debut game with the AIS? Oh, geez, I'm old now. I, <laughs> I actually, I, I can't remember my debut game, but I'll tell you a funny story. So we're playing Canberra Capitals and uh, Mariana Tolo and I'm yeah. pretty sure LJ was playing for Canberra Caps yeah. then, right? Yeah. And I was on the three-point line and I went to uh, do a shot and um, Tolo like jumped 
And I was like, oh, no, going to go past her. So I was like, you know, went (laughs) okay. I was like, yeah, got Tolo. Then I went for the mid-range jump shot. And then I just got rejected the ball in my throat (laughs) all day. And I was like, I think I actually laughed because I was like, Oh, I thought I had them and I really didn't. But um, yeah. <laughs> it was it was it was hard going from playing with number one inspectors and Victoria and winning a lot of games mm-hmm. to then you know we were losing games by twenty, sometimes forty. Mm-hmm. So that was like probably the first adversity where it was like, um, how do you keep growing and how do you deal with uh not winning games all the time like we're at the bottom of the ladder but how do we still get something out of it so um that was definitely like a a different experience but something I loved because I love a challenge and you know love stepping up to the plate so how did you sort of learn from that experience with the AAS playing um against you know older um women and girls um you know like the at the Melbourne Boomers and the Canberra Capitals and things like that I think it just showed you really do get better with age and I think they were so strong like I remember I would get like one arm bar and I'd be flying you know off the court (laughs) and so I think that made me realize where um you know going to the gym was so important and uh but having like consistent years like it's not just like you go to the gym for two years and you're strong it's like these girls have been in the league you know five to ten years and you can tell they're yeah. so strong and like, you know, they have such a good base, but also you could tell with your skills. So at that point, you know, I'm as coaches like to say, I might've only had a few tools in my toolbox where it was, you know, driving right or coming off screens. And it was like, okay, wow, look at they, all these ladies. Like they're really good defenders. Uh, they can shoot, you know, jump shots. They can shoot three pointers. It was like, okay, now I have to keep adding tools to my toolbox and keep learning and keep developing. So I think that was, that was probably, um, I just loved it learning from them playing against like Christy Harrower as well. I really remember playing against her being like, wow, I just learned so much playing a point guard, um, that I was at the AIS against a point guard here. Like I was like a sponge on the court whilst playing against her. So (laughs) yeah, it was playing against your idols was bloody cool. What's it like to play against someone um, and, you know, get to know someone on court and possibly off court too, like Lauren Jackson? Oh, it's insane. I remember um, LJ came and actually gave us a speech because obviously she was playing with the Caps. So, you know, she was in the neighbourhood and it was amazing. You know, all of us were just in awe. The fact that like LJ, the best basketballer, you know, Australia has ever, you know, come across or one of the best, it's like, wow, she's taking the time, you know, just to speak to little old us. So yeah. um, it was amazing, but I just love the white line fever because I think I'm a bit like that. Yeah. Like <laughs> we're passionate, we go after it, and then you get off and, like, we're just dags. And I think that was something I really enjoyed was playing hard against someone who wanted to beat you and I wanted to beat them. But then off the court it's, you know, giving each other hugs and slaps on the bum and, like, that's what sport is all about. Yeah. Um, so then how did you sort of come out of the AIS? You know, you've put everything together, like I mentioned, in your toolbox. You've got your game assembled and um, really assembled um, your style and your own personal craft. So how did you get that opportunity with Melbourne Boomers um, at the time who were, you know, progressing as a club? Yeah, so I was super, I think, lucky. I actually did my first knee injury right before I was sort of 
leaving for my first professional contract with the boomers. So I, yeah, I was down in the dumps. That was my uh, first like major injury. And um, I thought when that first happened, oh, I'm done. Like my career is done. Uh, you know, no one's going to want me. And that just like yeah. really was not the case. But um, <laughs> yeah, even though I, I was injured at that point in time, the coaches were Tom Ma and Michelle Timms and they're some of the best coaches Australia's, you know, ever had. And I was like, I want to go learn off them. Lucky enough, that was back in my home state. And, um, you know, to learn as a guard off Timsey like would have been absolutely amazing. So it was sort of a no brainer to pick boomers and go there and um, just to learn and keep developing my craft with them. So can you tell me about, um, you know, moving it out of the Melbourne Boomers and sort of moving into the Southside Flyers who actually at that time were, you know, the Dandenong Rangers. Yeah, look, I think that's like one of the best decisions that's ever happened at that point in the game. You know, I had had a few injuries. I'd come back. I wasn't quite at the level that I wanted to be or know that I could be at. And I remember in the off season between I go, screw being a point guard that's just not me you know I can play it in bits and pieces in a game that's fine but I don't have as much fun playing it you don't get the best out of me and I went nah not doing the point guard I want to play as a two-man I want to go back to like you know my roots um in that off season was also the first time I played 3x3 and I found like my mojo back again and for the love of the game and um I think I was just sort of lucky that at that time, Steph Cumming, who's now Steph Blitzarves, she went to Adelaide and so there was a two-guard spot opening and, you know, Larissa Anderson called me and was like, I want you to come play for Danny Nong. I want you in the two spot. I know what you can do. And it was sort of just like I think that was the universe just, you know, telling me that that's what I was supposed to do and I was just super lucky because... yeah, like I uh, didn't really have a club to go to at that time. And from, I think, Dandenong to the end of like flyers that I'm currently playing, I'm, you know, playing some of my best basketball and I'm just enjoying and loving the game so much more. You said finding your mojo um, in 3v3. Uh, what kind of game styles, the, the most difference you find between that and, you know, a team sport, say like it's a five, five on five team? Yeah, I just apart from the less players on the court, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's just it's so physical. The physicality is ridiculous. So being able to finish while getting hit on a three x three court, that translates to then five on five. So now I'm getting and ones instead of not making you know those shots because I'm getting hit. We'll be making more, and it is very even though there's three of you on the court, it is a very one v one sort of game and. Um, on defense and offense so uh, I think it also changes your mindset to be more attacking but also really confident like you have to be confident with every move you do you can't if I miss a shot you're not worrying about it because the transition from offense to defense and vice versa is so quick so when you come over to five on five you actually feel like you have a lot more time and I feel like you can take those bumps and I just think you can see a lot of people who've played the 3x3 game it has helped. I think it's just added that extra toughness, that extra level to their five-on-five game. Um, so what about, did you go to that Tokyo Olympics alongside Keely Froling for the 3v3? Yes. So we went to uh, the Olympic qualifiers. Oh, the qualifiers that that's right, yeah. We, yeah. So we, um, 
fortunately didn't qualify and that was like the most heartbreaking thing and um, you could just tell because of COVID we hadn't played uh, the game in I think it was like a year or two compared to Europe and um, the rest of the uh, Asian continent they'd been playing and so you could just tell if this like competition if Tokyo happened when it was supposed to. I think we definitely would have made it because we were playing so much of it. And 3x3 is definitely a game where you have to play often to build that chemistry because that's what that game is all about. Um, So that was really unfortunate. And, you know, that was hard because we went into quarantine right after not making it. So that was, that was tough just sitting, (laughs) sitting in (laughs) your own thoughts with that. But, um, you know, hopefully I'm going to try go around for uh, the uh, next Olympics, whether it be five on five, three X three and, you know, go for it because I just love the game and still a goal of mine to get, get there. Now I've had Keely Frolling on the podcast. What's she like to work with? And I know how, how good of a shooter um, and, you know, sort of playmaker she is. I mean, that, I think, what was it, 49, 50 or 60 points, something like that, ridiculous, but the Hobart Hurricane, not uh, Tornado, sorry, in the NBL one last year. Yeah, it's it's great playing with Kay Frog. She, look, she's aggressive and she can go out there. And, like, one of my favourite things about her, especially in the game, is she gets crucial blocks on defence, like, when we need them. And... Um, you know, we have a great pick and roll game together. I really like the pick and roll with Katie Froll. And I just think, you know, when she's going out there, she's giving 110% and she's got your back. And it's, it's you know, yeah, she's going out there, you know, knowing that she's one of the best players on the court. And it's it's fun to play with. And it's, I think we're aggressive and we're, you know, physical together. And, you know, off the court, we have a laugh. So, um, yeah, love playing with Katie Froll. It's always a, always a good opportunity. Now, you've made the WNBL All-Star 5. Can you tell me what that means to you to be recognised as one of the best, the top five players in the WNBL? Yeah, it means so much. And that was actually the year that I played with Dan Dinong. And that was the first season after, you know, just not being in a great mental space, not being where I thought I wanted. And that season... I came runner-up MVP to Kelsey Griffin um, (laughs) and, yeah, made the All-Star 5 team. And I was just, I was so proud of myself because I feel like I was at a point where I was really, really low and um, I still love this game. And, um, you know, I I work my little tail off, you know, blood, sweat and tears and the fact that I think all that was recognised. I know that's not why we play the sport, but it did mean so much, you know, to be noticed that, um, it had paid off that work and we, you know, we have so much talent in the WNBL. So to, you know, to be up there with some of the best players in the nation as well. Um, yeah, it was an amazing feeling and like a very proud moment. Now in 2018, you won bronze and in 2019, you won gold with Australia. Can you tell me about this and what it means to you to represent your country? Oh, it is the best. I remember the first time I put on the green and gold for, it was like a junior Australian team. And I was just like, wow, like seeing your name on, on the back and putting on that green and gold jersey, it's, it's something that I don't think I can really express into words. It's just like a feeling. And I think once you've done it once, I was like, I want to do this every single day for the rest of my yeah. life. So <laughs> any, 
anytime I can put on the green and gold, um, you know, you're out there with some of your best mates, your sisters, and it's, it's the best feeling. And especially when you are successful and you get to, you know, wear a medal. Um, it's like I said, it's all that hard work has paid off. But I think as you get older, you learn, like, just enjoy the moment. It's so special to be picked for a team. You don't always get selected. Um, but then, you know, traveling the world and playing against the other best players in the world at the sport that you do is one of the best feelings, the best opportunities. And, you know, I hope I still get to win some medals and wear the green and gold again soon. Now, the FIB World Cup this year is on home soil in Sydney. I've seen you've been named um, in the initial team alongside, like I mentioned before, Keely Froling, Tess Madgen, um, Charlotte Hill, those kinds um, of fantastic um, players all over the world. Um, what, so what are you most looking forward to about this uh, FIBA World Cup? Yeah, I think the fact that just women's sport is growing and I think uh, especially the women's basketball, we need to keep growing. We're not quite there yet. We're not, you know, um, even close to some of the other sports. So the, the fact we have such great role models as people as well as athletes and so it's so great that it's in Australia, it's in Sydney. The fact that people can come watch it, um, see what it's all about, and you're getting some of the best players in the world that are going to be there. Um, it, you know, it's going to be good media coverage, and I think that is super exciting, knowing that people are just going to be able to know faces of Australian women's basketball players and, you know, fall in love with the game because it is such a great game to watch and we are so talented. So I, I'm super excited for that, um, you know, in that aspect, but I'm really excited, yeah, for I guess the, uh, the, the trail that we have coming up. So in May we have a camp and we get to play against Japan. So I'm super excited to, you know, hopefully make that team and get an opportunity to wear the green and gold and, um, you know, get that first experience of, you know, playing with the Opals. And that, I think that's where it's like, yeah, that's the beginning of the World Cup selection. Like, this is getting exciting now. Yep. Now, I want to have a chat to you um, about your championship experience as part of that Southside Flyers team. Um, can you take me through that entire season for you? Yeah, yeah that was a weird one because we were in the <laughs> hub. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Like not being, not having fans. I love playing in front of a crowd and the atmosphere. Like Townsville were great playing there, but it just wasn't the same. Um, but look, loved Cairns. That was an amazing place. We stayed there for two weeks. Um, it was hard. You were playing more frequently. So with COVID, a lot of people had niggles or injuries um, just because our loads haven't been managed like that because of COVID. So I think that was a tricky thing for all teams. But what I loved is we're playing more often. And that's what I want to do. Like I want to play, you know, Saturday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. That's as an athlete. Like, yeah, we like training, but you want to play <laughs> games all the time. So I think it was super funny when we won. Someone was like, how did it feel? And I think my word was like relief. Because I think, you know, we had the team to do it and it was a hard season emotionally for everybody coming out of COVID and then being in a bubble. Um, and I was like, just relief that we won. Like, oh, yeah. my God, but also super exciting because that's my first WNBL championship. Like one of the best feelings, like putting on that ring that we got was absolutely amazing. And I think as you get older, you realise, 
getting to the grand final series is hard enough, let alone winning it. So yeah. that's something I'll never forget. And, you know, popping champagne in the, in, in the um, change rooms <laughs> after the game, that was, that was the absolute best. So can you take me through your sort of daily and weekly, you know, routine in terms of workouts and then also, you know, um, playing for Australia and what your um, sort of role and workouts consist of when you're actually in the lead up to something like the FIBA World Cup or um, the 3v3 Tokyo Olympics qualifiers? Yeah, it's like it's my off season at the moment, but I feel like you're almost like it's more intense or, you know, the same as when we are in WNBL season. So, you know, at the moment I'll be uh, lifting in the gym twice a week. I'll do a lower body and an upper body. Um, I do Pilates twice a week and that just, you know, works on the core and getting the body fine-tuned. I'll do two indies a week. So that's like one-on-one with a coach where, you know, you work on your skills and that really gets the heart rate up. Um, team training twice a week with uh, the Waverly Falcons in the NBL one. And then I'll probably just get shots up or reps once or twice a week. Then I am playing once on the weekend, maybe twice. Um, always have one rest day a week. So like pretty busy just saying yeah. all that to you just then but yeah. um <laughs> I think yeah something that's important to me is recovery yeah. so I go in my compression boots I ice my knees you know I take my um supplements that I need that are good you know for my body and just like most important sleep like sleep is so important so I think all those little things and nutrition are just the one percenters especially like you said with the lead up to these Australian camps like you want to go in in the best shape that you know that you can be to give yourself the best chance. So what's the difference between the step up and step down between WNBL and NBL one level? Yeah I think it's it's a lot more people are playing NBL one though from the WNBL so I think the quality definitely has has gotten better but I um well, I think the jump is quite big and I think that's why it's quite hard to make the WNBL. Like we have talented players, more imports from, you know, the WNBA are coming down and it just shows how strong our WNBL league is. And I think it's absolutely amazing. And, you know, the NBL one have done such a good job. They've, you know, made all these conferences now. Um, but what I like to do is when I go to NBL one is, uh, when I'm practicing my indies, like I said, on those skills, that's the time I can go practice them in a game because I w- won't be doing that in WNBL. So I really love that I get that opportunity. And then all the young kids, you want to help them. You want to lead them and, you know, help them get better. So I, I that that's what I really like using NBL 1 and that opportunity for. I saw you were at Helping Hoops yesterday. What does your work in the community mean to you and um, what's that like for you? What do you get out of it? Yeah, I just, I think the first time I really got involved with a charity was with Lymphoma Australia as my dad was diagnosed with um, non-Hodgkin lymphoma and being a part of that community and something I really cared about, um, it just meant so much to me and I loved being a part of a community, you know, who have gone through similar things and so um when I had the opportunity to work with Helping Hoops, I, I know I did a big spring spring clean and I had, you know, all these sneakers that hadn't been used and, um, you know, all these like good, good sports gear that hadn't been used. Yeah, and that wow. was the first time I'd got in touch and I was like, I want this yeah. to go, you know, to people who need it and you know we're going to get it. So 
that was first how, you know, I got in touch as a, a girl named Hannah there who's been absolutely awesome. And then um, Alice and I went down on Sunday and we did, we halved 15 minutes shooting um, free throws. Oh, my God, my shoulder is so sore. <laughs> Two minutes is a lot. But, you know, the fact you can raise money for such a great cause and give back, it's, you know, you go there and you see people um, like Dave Anderson was there. There's... Uh, um, Christian Petrarca, like there was just so many people who were just giving their time to a great cause, but the people who are working there behind it, honestly, their hearts and souls are so pure. And that's, I think, what makes something so great, you know, about helping hoops. And it was just a great time. Um, so can you take me through, um, you know, b- before we finish off, I want to get, you know, your best, what's your best advice um, to anyone who wants to be a professional basketballer and um, be successful like yourself? Oh, I reckon I have two quotes. One in my family is life's not fair. Might seem a bit grim, but to us it means not everything is going to go your way all the time. It might be, you know, you don't make a squad or you might get injured or you didn't have a good game and it's just like, well, life's not fair. Like not everything's going to go your way. So you know, I always give myself a day or two to be angry or upset about maybe something that didn't go, you know, how I planned to, but then you got to move on and know that your hard work is eventually going to pay off. So I think that would be my first one. And then my second one is always believe in yourself because so many people are going to tell you, you know, you can't do this or you're not good enough, but find your close circle who, you know, lift you up, give you that good energy, positive vibes and believe in the work that you've done because trust me, it's going to pay off. And if you're happy and you know what you're doing, like you're going to shine. So they would be my two quotes. <laughs> Thanks, Beck. Now, just quickly, um, what did you make of that Tasmania Jack Jumpers versus Melbourne United game three last night? Tasmania Jack Jumpers getting through in their first NBL season through the grand final against the Sydney Kings. Epic. That was that <laughs> was crazy. I um. Oh, it was, you know, obviously sad not to see Goulding out there, one of, you know, the best players in their league, and I'm sure Melbourne missed them. But credit to Jack Jumpers and, like, what a great story for the NBL as well. You know, their their first time um, in the league, their first season, and they've made it to the grand final series. And it just shows if you can get players who want to work together and they fight till the end, like, that's the Jack Jumpers. And, you know, shout out to Adams because, whoa, he was he was delightful to watch. On he put fire. the show last night. Um, now, so what do, what's your um, aim heading into this NBL one season with the Waverly Falcons? Yeah, I think I just want to really, Im- uh, you know, improve on some small things in my game. Um, most of all, have fun and enjoyment with basketball. Um, coming off last, uh, the WNBL season, obviously, we didn't have a great team performance. So, you know, you just want to find the fun in it again and, um, you know, help the young kids learn. But obviously use this as a time to prepare me for, you know, 3x3 and the Opals coming up and hopefully I can put my best foot forward. You coming back with the Southside Flyers next WNBL season? Yes. I don't know, like, what if that's announced or not yet, but I did sign a two-year deal last year. So I guess, Perfect. hey, guys, I'm at the Flyers for this yeah. season. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what are you going to take from NBL, the last WNBL season, heading into this next one? And obviously the Melbourne Boomers um, winning their first championship in what was it, 20, 30 years? 
Yeah, I think we learned a lot as a team. We had a lot of things like going on behind the scenes and obviously, you know, COVID was hard and, um, you know, Jenna Hay was very, you know, open with her mental health uh, issues in that time and, you know, as a team and as our captain, you know, and she's one of my best friends as well, um, you know, you want to make sure everyone is okay. So it was a quite, you know, intense time with, Jesus, we had a one a week, I think, with COVID as well being out. So I think we really dealt with adversity. So I think yeah. going to next season, we know we can handle that. But I think, you know, we probably didn't work at 110% the whole time or at training. So I think that's something going into next season. We know we have to challenge each other 24 seven, like we can't take any breaks and, you know, this league is so good now. So we really have to step up to the plate and work as a team. Are you looking at hopefully getting to the WNBA say in the next three to five years? Yeah, look, I would love to, you know, have that opportunity. Obviously, you know, COVID made that a little hard the last two years, but that's definitely a goal of mine. And, you know, I'm hoping the last four years, I think, you know, I've been really consistent. So, you know, fingers crossed I get an opportunity um, doing everything I can. But, look, if it doesn't happen, I'm still, you know, so happy with, with what I've done in this sport. Thanks so much, Beck, for putting aside, you know, half an hour, 40 minutes or so of your time to come and have a chat. It's been an absolute honour and a pleasure to have you on. Oh, thank you. It was an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks, Beck. Stay tuned, everyone, for some more Sporting Max. This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEM.